0: You're listening to All About Agriculture with Rory Levandusky, presented by OSU Extension in Wayne County, Ohio.
1: Well, a very good morning and welcome to Behind the Scenes with Rory Levandusky from the OSU Extension office here in Wayne County. Rory joins us several times a month to focus in on agriculture. Today, we're going to be talking about dry cow management, and and often our focus on a dairy program is on the lactating cow. But today, we're going to focus on the non Lactating dry cow, and since drying cows off and giving them a dry period is a common practice on dairy farms, it must be necessary. But we're going to ask Rory today why it's necessary, and and also Rory, why is it important to provide a dry period for cows? Okay,
0: well, following lactation, uh, cows need this non-lactating or dry period to help them prepare for and optimize milk production in that next lactation period after calving. So during the dry period, those active milk-producing cells um, actually need to change into an inactive resting state. That's a process called involution, and uh, that's necessary, again, to get them ready for that next lactation. Now, as the birth of the calf then draws near, those inactive cells begin to once again become active, and in addition, we actually get formation of some new milk-producing cells as well. So each lactation, you have that opportunity to add some new cells. Now, according to an e-extension article entitled The Importance of Dry Cow Management in Control of Mastitis, milk production is going to be 25 to 30% less in subsequent lactations if you do not give those cows a dry period. So, again, very significant, very important. Now, another important aspect of the dry period, of course, is the formation of colostrum, which is so important for that newborn calf health. And management decisions and practices that are made during the dry period obviously are going to affect that cow's next lactation. So key management practice you should focus on are providing an adequate number of days for that dry period, drying off that cow, uh, the dry cow treatment for mastitis prevention, providing adequate space and comfort, and then providing nutrition that's matched to that dry cow period.
1: Rory, let's talk about the length of the dry period, if we will. Uh, does it matter how long it is? And, you know, Is there a minimum amount of days and and on the flip side of that, I guess, can a dry period be too long? Mm-hmm. What, what are the recommendations there?
0: Yeah, well, there's actually been, obviously, quite a bit of research done regarding the length of, of dry period. Uh, it's happened for you know, a number of years. We can go back into the literature quite a few years. So re- those research results indicate that dry periods should be a minimum of about 40 days in length and should not really exceed 70 days. Uh, Some older but very well designed research from about the mid-70s that looked at the length of dry period and that impact on milk yield showed that the highest milk yield uh, occurred with a 60 to 70 day dry period. And then as that dry period increased to 90 or more days, there was actually kind of a negative impact on on milk production. And the same thing was seen with dry periods of less than 40 days. So positive milk yield uh, didn't really happen until dry periods reached at least 40 days, so typically what we see in the dairy industry are dry periods averaging about 60 days in length, and there is some research to suggest that first lactation cows should have at least a 55-day dry period, while older cows who've gone through numerous lactations could have a 40-day a or longer dry period.
1: Milk production per cow continues to increase on dairy farms. Rory, how have higher production levels affected dry period management, specifically what's the recommendation for drying off these high-producing cows? Are there concerns regarding drying off a cow that's still producing a significant quantity of milk, say, 60 days before calving?
0: Yeah, those uh, those are really great questions. Uh, you know, I know growing up on a dairy farm, we didn't have those high production levels, and uh, by the time it got time to dry that cow off, they maybe were only producing uh, 15 or 20 pounds of milk. But Today, we have cows that are producing 40, 50, or even more uh, pounds of milk uh, per day when that dry period should be started. So uh, the considerations and concerns here relate to milk leakage after dry off, uh, how that teat canal gets sealed off, uh, how we manage the risk of mastitis infection. So by far, uh, the most common recommendation when you, when you look through uh, different uh, reports and advice from people who work in this area The most common recommendation is to dry off that cow abruptly by ending milking. Uh, gradual dry off with less frequent milking, that really it looks like uh, prevents the sealing of that teat canal and it actually continues to stimulate milk production and so we don't really uh, get good results with that. Now, one of the most important considerations during the dry period is reducing the risk of new mastitis infections. Uh, University of Gulf researchers uh, conducted a study of 300 cows in five different herds and they found that rapid teat closure was critical to the reduction of new mastitis infections during that dry period those researchers also found that the level of milk production at the time of dry off was the most important factor that influenced the speed of teat closure so when we get again to cows that are lower producing when milk production was less than 45 pounds per day about 70 percent of the cows actually had teat closure within a week of drying off now cows milking at higher levels tended to have slower teat closure, you're getting leakage and, and other things are happening, but almost 25% of the cows had teat ends that remained open for as long as six weeks after dry off. So considerable risk for mastitis uh, infections in those situations. So strategies for decreasing milk production, and that really most is readily accomplished with diet changes that don't support milk production. So really giving them a, a, a poor diet. That should be part of your dry-off management plan for those high-producing cows.
1: Rory, at the beginning of uh, uh, today's show, you mentioned dry cow treatment for prevention of mastitis. Uh, and we just heard that teak closure at dry-off can be delayed, increasing the risk of mastitis infection. What does dry cow mastitis prevention treatment consist of exactly? And you know what are the recommendations there?
0: Okay. Well, cows again are vulnerable to new mastitis infections during the first few weeks of that dry period, because obviously bacteria are no longer getting flushed out of the teat canal uh, because of you know through milking and they're not being milked anymore. Uh, teat dips are no longer being applied, uh, so that that's out as a preventative. And in high-producing cows, especially as as mentioned, we get this milk leakage that can occur before teat closure finally happens. So therefore, on on most farms, uh, the recommendation is to administer a long-acting antibiotic to every quarter of every cow after that final milking. A University of Kentucky Dairy Notes article entitled Dry Period, An Important Phase for a Dairy Cow says that dry cow therapy can clear up an estimated 70 to 98% of already existing mastitis infections and can help to prevent new infections. Now, typically, with some of these long-acting antibiotic treatment, the recommendation is to provide a minimum of a 50-day dry period. And within the last few years, uh, as the emphasis on minimizing antibiotic use has has intensified, we do have some farms that are, are looking at selective dry cow treatment.
1: Rory Levandusky from the OSU Extension Office, our guest in studio today. Rory, what are the benefits of selective dry cow treatment? How effective is that strategy compared to, say, dry treating every cow at dry off?
0: Yeah, well, the big picture perspective here um, is the benefit that by not treating every cow, you have some portion of the bacterial population that's not exposed to an antibiotic. Uh, The term for this is refugia. It's a strategy that's used to prevent resistance to antibiotics from developing. So from that standpoint, it's good. Now from a farm perspective, uh, the benefit can also be some reduced cost in terms of antibiotic application. Uh, The problem being if, if it's not done right, you're gonna end up with more problems. So in order to make this work, a farm really has to know their mastitis situation and their risk potential. So cows suspected of a mastitis infection And those cows with confirmed mastitis infection would be the cows that would receive an antibiotic treatment. All their cows would not. So program success depends upon careful screening, using medical history, uh, using somatic cell counts, milk culture testing, uh, record keeping, good record keeping, and that that information all used to identify those at-risk cows so that those are treated. Now to date, Uh, Research has really demonstrated some variable results on this. Uh, But one aspect of selective dry cow treatment programs that has been positive is the use of an internal non-antibiotic teat sealant. Uh, That's administered to all dry cows uh, regardless of whether they're treated or not. And research and field studies suggest that internal teat sealants often offer the same mastitis preventative efficacy as the use of antibiotic dry treatment products.
1: Well, on our next program, we're going to continue our discussion with Rory about dry cow management, focusing on the aspects of nutrition and cow comfort. In the meantime, if somebody has questions about anything that we touched base on today or needs more information, Rory, what can they do?
0: Yeah, they can contact me at the Wayne County Extension Office at 330 264 Eight seven two two. I'd be glad to share some of the publications and documents uh, that I
1: mentioned in this program. Rory, as always, thanks again for coming in. You're welcome. Thanks, Ron. Once again, you've been listening to Behind the Scenes here on Worcester Radio. I'm your host, Ron Hamilton. Our guest in studio today from the OSU Extension Office here in Wayne County, Rory Levendusky.